I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Steve. He had hepatitis C. Let's talk about it. Um, it's, it's extra. It's extra effective with that like softball underhand pitch, you know, like that that windmill reverse windmill drive. You know when you just wind it up. Yeah, and just, yeah, 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 yeah. That's <laughs> Olymp. That's Olympic level. Um, spe- speaking of uh, of of softball, uh, Steve, you have hepatitis C. <laughs> it's the perfect say. It's the perfect opportunity to bring it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, I did. Uh, you did. Oh, so you did. Oh, wow. Okay. Absolutely. Oh, shit. So, 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 okay. So correct me if I'm wrong here. Have you been, have you been cured of hepatitis C? I have. Wow. Oh. That's so wild. So, okay, listen, this is, this is kind of blowing my mind because, um, it, it's, it's only been recent, right? That we've been, that we've been able to cure hepatitis C. Like that's a, that it, we couldn't well, do that the, 10 the years last ago. Time, the last time we talked about it on the show, which was like, you know, in relation to the show was pretty, er, pretty early on. And you yeah, it was like four yeah, years you ago. You couldn't at that. You couldn't at that time. Yeah. Or it was like no. experimental, there, I think. There was a treatment a long time ago, uh, up until recent years, last couple of years. Uh, but the problem was the treatment was very violent. Uh, you were taking some very powerful medications that... Uh, they just played with your mind. So basically, it, it, a lot of people couldn't take it. So they just ended up ending, dying with liver diseases. Well, when you say it was, it was really violent, like, uh, like what, what did it do to you? Like it was really hard on your body in terms of like the it, protocol? Yeah, it was hard on your body. It was hard on your brain. Okay. Uh, for lack of better words, uh, yeah, hallucinations. Wow. It, uh, yeah, partying with Jimmy every night. Well, it, it was it was very um, yeah, it was aggressive for sure, for sure. So so I guess maybe let's let's t- take it take it back. Uh, Steve, how old are you? Fifty two. And how old were you when you were diagnosed with uh, hepatitis C? I was forty. Okay, and nine, so forty one. Okay, and and how did you how did you how did you contract hepatitis C? I, I feel like because we we have recorded about Hep C once, and I I completely forget everything about Hep C. Is it because like you know I I'm, I'm thinking about those commercials that I used to see all the time, which is like like it could be in your ice, but but I think that was like Hep B. I think that's Hep, yeah, hep yeah, B yeah. or hep- A. Hepatitis, B. hepatitis C is blood to blood transfer. So okay, okay. <clears throat> Uh, stereotypically, it's from drug use. Reality, it, it is from uh, a manicure, a pedicure, a tattoo. Um, any any spot you can be in where you can re- accidentally receive somebody else's blood, a barber shaving your neck, it, it happens. It's not nobody's going to do it on purpose. It happens, right? Mm. And it. Um, you know, we've worked very hard in the last several years to to break that stereotypical type to get more people tested, and and it's been very effective. We've we've done a very good. Uh, everybody has done a very good job at it. How did you How did you go about contracting it? I don't know. I don't know. I got a garage tattoo when I was I don't know, sixteen, fifteen. Back then, we were. Tattoos weren't exactly what they are now. Like you guys wouldn't remember it, but they were, you know, basically carved into your shoulder in, in a garage. 
realistically. And it, uh, I'm pretty sure that's how I got it. Wow. No one really knows for sure. So wait, do you think you, you contracted it at like that age and then went that long in your life with hep C, but you, you weren't technically diagnosed until, until Correct. like three decades later. Correct. Cause it's progression, right? That it was in my body due to the damage to my liver. They knew for sure that I had it for at least two and a half decades at that time. Whoa. Um, Wait. So, so what made you go to get tested for this? Like you must've been experiencing some type of symptoms or, or yeah, pain it, from it. It happened overnight. Um, basically I went from, you know, owning my own business, working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, like, you know, most business owners do having fun, golfing, working. Right. Uh, I started feeling sick and it just got worse. And I, I, my wife noticed yellow in my eyes. So I went to the family doctors. Sure enough. First thing he tested me for. Wow. And I got lucky that it was him because at that time, most family doctors weren't testing for that at all. Like it was, it was still out there. It like what was there, like, would there have been, um, you know, like oftentimes it's not uncommon to even see, um, like stereotypes played out amongst medical professionals that, you know, should that you know, in a perfect world should know better, but you know, they're, they're human and they're susceptible to, to, to the same stereotyping that, you know, that everybody else is did like, you know, I, I, I think about, I think about some people going in and maybe saying that and, and, you know, your doctor is familiar with your health background and, you Mm -hmm. know, is, is, you know, that they might say something like, oh, well, I know that Steve hasn't been doing drugs to my knowledge, so I'm not going to test him for hep C. And I, and I can't, I can see that as being like a, as a, as a, as not, as not crazy that, that a doc might forego that testing for, for, for something like hep C if you don't kind of fit the mold of the person that gets hep C. That's correct. That's correct. There, there's a stereotype to it for sure. It, it has been broken down and I don't know how broad that breakdown is because I live in a, a different world now where I'm always around health professionals and the Canadian Liver Foundation. And so it's easy to talk about. But when I first found out, it was devastating. Because at that time, 11 years ago, people were still affiliating that in relationship to AIDS. Mm. Oh, wow. Directly to drugs, directly to, uh, for lack of a better word, the underworld of, you know, the the troubled part of society. Mm. Do you have any, did, did, did anybody ever say to you directly, like, Oh, uh, Steve, I didn't realize that you like were caught up in that type of stuff. Um, not quite like that, but the looks, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I had to go to, uh, people that held my contracts for my business and I had to tell them, you know, listen, I'm about to get really sick. We need to come up with a plan. I got to back out. I got to stand down. And they were looking at me like, dude, (laughs) really? You know, and, and I'm over it now. Like, I'm over it. I can talk about it. It's all good. But it happened. It was true. I mean, they were looking at me. They were looking at me sideways. They were wondering how close they could get to me. They were wondering, you know, uh, basically if I've been lying to them or, you know, it, it, it's, it was a mold that had to be shattered for sure. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can, you, can you describe to me, like, the the progression of like the symptoms that you were, you were feeling. Cause like it's, I always find it so fascinating that someone can go so long with a, with a, um, an illness like yourself where it was like decades. And then, and then it takes so long to get that diagnosis. Like what were the, what were the things that you were physically like manifesting physically within you during, during that time? And, and how did it progress? My fatigue dropped considerably. Uh, I hadn't gone to a doctor in a long, long, long time because I, I mean, I was healthy. I, I was good. You know, life was good. Um, so my fatigue dropped considerably. Uh, after a while, my wife started to notice yellowing in my eyes. 
But the straw that broke the camel's back was I, I started to get ab- abdominal pains. Mm. And my stools changed color to white and dark, dark black. So that's oh, that, yeah. That is so contrasting. White and and black. It's just like <laughs> not, not, they, they're, they're, not, there's not, no not. No, no gray area whatsoever. Just white and white. Black and white. (laughs) Just zebra. It was zebra stripes. So, and and I mean, at that time, yeah, Google and everything, you could Google all you wanted, but it's, it wasn't what it is today. 11 years Mm. ago. I mean, it's, it's come a long ways in the last, you know, decade. So it got me to the doctors and, you know, he right away, he sent me to a gastrologist, have my body checked on the inside and off I went. And so you you end up finding out that okay this is indeed Hep C. Um, what does that what does that mean for for a man in his forties um, at that time? You know, like were they like, well, you're kind of fucked, Steve, or or were they like, <laughs> yeah, oh really? Like they weren't like, Steve, we got we got some of these pills, like some medications, some treatments that you can do, or like. Uh, so at that time, there was only that one medication available. Uh, interferon, it was called. And yes, so yeah. we had, we're familiar with interferon. We've heard about that drug a number of times. Yeah, and and it's um, it's it, it was very violent for me. So basically, I went on it. I was on it for about a month, and they had to take me off it because I ended up in the hospital worse than I started. Oh. So, um, it affected my memory. So there's a part of a liver disease that's called hepatotic encephalopathy. AG is what they call it now. And it uh, that affects your memory. So all the poison that's gone through your liver, not filtered to your brain, affects your short-term memory. And it's mm. huge, like huge. Um, so, yeah, pretty much I went from that to we got to figure out how to get you on a transplant list immediately. Mm. Uh, And transplant of your, of your liver. Yeah. Was that the, yeah. Right. So that, that's why the, is that why your eyes were going yellow? That's right. What it does is it, um, it eats at your liver over a long period of time. And then, so it, so if you get a liver transplant, that doesn't like all of a sudden make you better though. It's like, oh, you still have hepatitis C and now your your new liver that you get is actually slowly um, being yeah. eaten away too. So I've actually had two liver transplants. Oh, whoa. whoa. First one didn't work. Uh, I spent uh, seven months in the hospital in Montreal. No, I don't speak Set. French. Seven months. Oh my God! Dude, you didn't pick it a, up. That's a fucking time. No, I didn't. I, you know what? I couldn't remember enough of it. They, they oh, were fuck. great with me. They watched movies and stuff, but no, I couldn't. Yeah, it was, it was interesting for sure. Seven um, months no, of I just see, being like, I don't know what's happening at all. I have no idea what's going on. No one on. speaks English. That's it. You know, I, I'm good. I, I speak basically Canadian, American, and a little bit of redneck. If you want to have fun, right? <laughs> 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 but it, um, so when I got my second transplant to answer your question it uh, yeah within I my my eyes went really white like it worked it was perfect liver was strong it was perfect two weeks later the hepatitis C came back oh yeah so this, sucks. this is when the uh, pharmaceutical company had just applied they just freshly applied to, for trials on this hepatitis C medication. Just, just. And my doctor in Montreal was, was heading the team. So, uh, yeah, he said, okay. He said, if you're going to sign off on it, I'm going to try it. I said, well, what have I got to lose? I'm going to die anyway, basically, right? You know, was that the drug? The, is, that the, is that the new, like the the – is that the trial or the like experimenting with the with the drug that is now come to? That was the original, uh, the original one. Okay. Now there's, mm. I think there's three different ones. Mm. But at that, what was what was the interferon 
trying to do when you were taking it? Like it's obviously it's not it's not it's not trying to cure you like the like the like the medication that you went on after the your second interferon, from what I understand, had a way of neutralizing the hepatitis C in your blood to stop it. It puts it at bay. Mm-hmm. So it had a way of stopping it from eating at your liver. But it was just so hardcore for you that it was like it's it's doing more harm than it is there good. There was no way. There, yeah. there was just no way. The dreams, the the whole it was it was violent, man. Like it just it was crazy actually. And how long between the first between the first transplant and that liver not not really working for you and the second liver like how 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 um how much urgency does the medical system put on that when they say, "Hey, we got this liver transplant. Now it's not, and we see it's not working out." How like is it? Is it we need a new liver right now, or is it all right? It, this is fine. We can do a year or whatever. It was a balance, from what I understand. It's a balance between um, the person beside me that the next liver may work in rather than for sure it won't work in me because it's not strong enough. So they, for me, they had to wait for the proper liver to make sure it was going to work because I was running, there was no, there's no more options, right? Mm-hmm. At that point. Um, I believe that my memory is very vague, but from what I've been told, my first transplant they knew was weak when they did it. They took it. I'm going to say they took a chance with my family knowing, of course. Um, but we had a feeling that it was going to be a stopgap. Right. So when I got my first transplant, I was down the days. Like uh, I had no order, no more. Mm. I had no more to give. I had no more fight. How quickly did, did you get that first um, transplant? Because you mentioned that, you know, from the time of being diagnosed uh, to the time where you, where you first went back into the hospital, that was like a month where they were like, oh, fuck, we're giving you interferon and, you know, you're getting worse. But then how quickly did you get on that would, transplant list and get that would, first To liver? get on the list, it took me uh, approximately eight months to get on. Okay. Like, there's a criteria you have to meet health-wise. And, uh, and then it took me about another, I think I'm going to say a year and a half in total. Wait, wait, like waiting to get that first liver, you know, you, you mentioned that it was like hell being on that drug at first and, and you ended up back in the hospital so, so quickly. Like, how did you manage for, you know, eight months to, to a year and a half until you actually got a transplant? Do you know, for me, there was a lot of drugs involved. There was a lot of, um, pain medication involved there was there was a lot of memory loss going on so they call it brain fog Mm -hmm. so basically you don't remember what you're doing from one minute to the next uh it it wore very heavily on my family my wife my kids my mom my dad um because they were basically had to take care of a child again you know Mm -hmm. it was it was tough on them for sure for me myself all I had to do was wake up every day and fight, to be honest with you. In my head, I had to fight and just get through it, you know? It is kind of crazy how some how it's it's not uncommon. It's not uncommon in our experience to hear that that the effect that the, the, the effect that a disease and an illness has on the people around the person who's sick can be can be just like, you know, earth shattering for for those people. And 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 the person who's sick is kind of like, like you said, like I, I had to get up and fight. I had to wake up. I had to fight, you know, but it's like, I'm, de- I'm dealing with it. It's, it's my, it's Your my priorities shit. are pretty clear. Yeah. To yeah. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To Absolutely. you. And then everyone around you is like, you know, I can just be, like you said, it can be just devastating. Absolutely. No, I had a very large support system, meaning I had my wife of, at the time it was 12 years. I had my kids, which were adults. So, and my parents that drove. So I had a support system. I would feel for the individuals that do not have that support system, meaning they don't have vehicles to get around. They don't have Mm. necessary means to 
to get it done for the day. You know, and you got their wife sitting at home just in tears thinking, what do I do for them? Yeah. You know, so I was on the fortunate side, to be very honest, I was on the fortunate side of that. I'm not saying that my family's rich or anything like that, but just people strength. I, yeah. I had, it, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. speaking, speaking of having that support, you know, and having people, you know, be able to take you to and from your appointments or, or show up for you. Um, uh, Lauren has, has noted here that there's a story about you taking a cab home from a hospital um, that links into your, into your brain fog. What's, what's that all about? I, um, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yes. I took it. I asked my wife, Lauren asked me, she said, what was the silliest thing you did? So I, I didn't know. And I, I had to ask my wife. And, uh, so I woke up in the middle of the night from the hospital and, uh, decided that, I was in some kind of a morgue and they were moving bodies around. Oh God. Okay. This is, yeah, this is what went on in my head. IV still hooked up bag in my hand. I managed to talk a taxi driver into taking me home. Three o'clock in the morning, I showed up on my wife's doorstep. Oh my God. With a hundred dollar taxi bill or something, $80. And, you know, we're, we're fighting. She's struggling for money, trying to balance this and that, because I always did it. Right? <laughs> <She's> like, <laughs> so yeah, here I come in the door with my IV and everything. 10 minutes later, there's an ambulance driver standing there to take me back. <laughs> so, oh my God. Yeah. The cab driver, the cab driver should be paying that ambulance bill yeah. for, for even accepting you as a, as it a was, passenger. I, I, I don't know how I managed to even talk somebody into doing that. Like, yeah. it was it like, what was the hospital just like, where the fuck did Steve go? I, I didn't <laughs> like, make it home and they were calling her. <laughs> she, knew. she was awake when I got there, but yeah, it was the middle of the night. You don't, uh, you don't do that. But you know, um, one thing that, that has come out of this in a lot of very positive ways, uh, Megan here, uh, with the liver foundation, we now have, support systems so you're able right now they're doing it on zoom and mm. uh, so you're able to talk with other people that are in the same situations to help you get through those days mm. whereas when we were there it, that wasn't quite there yet right mm-hmm. there's, there's, yeah there is community support available right across canada now yeah, you. So tell us about the work that you do because it's uh, people might not be aware, but it's uh, it's Hepatitis Awareness Month. Yep. And um, uh, you you do some work for the the Canadian Liver Foundation. What what it, what kind of support work do you do? Like, what does that look like? Um, especially especially in dealing with a disease that there is a cure for. Um, you know, like, cause I, with cystic fibrosis, like I, I'm, I'm pretty aware of like what the support systems are like, um, um, in terms of like online communities and places for us to like talk and, and commiserate mm-hmm. and share, um, about, you know, our experiences in living with this illness that there is no cure for. Mm-hmm. What does that look like for, for people who, who get hep C and, and, you know, go through that experience, um, but also have, have like an option of coming out on the other side. It, the main thing is with hepatitis C is you got to be tested. They, they're not family doctors. It's not an automatic test as part of your physical everywhere. Some are, some are, it's getting a lot better. But the main thing is, is to ask for it, get tested. Most provinces now cover it, the medication. The medications are very expensive. 12 weeks and you're cured. It's done. They, these medications, it's no more than taking an aspirin, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. you. You'll get some ups and downs in your mood a little bit. You'll get some mm-hmm. ups and downs in your fatigue a little bit, but you won't get it's really the same as taking an aspirin, to be quite honest with you. I've told a lot of people that, and I've asked them, you know, 14 weeks later how they're doing. 
and they tell me I'm exactly right. So, you know, did they have good days and bad days? Probably. But once you someone tells you you're cured, you've already forgotten about those bad days. It's all good. Mm-hmm. It is is the you know from a support side of things when when you're when you're talking to these people who are newly diagnosed is the is the the stigma still like a really big part of that of that experience for them? I think it is getting better. They feel initially there's a shock. But we've done a great deal of work uh, getting the word out there through community health systems uh, right across Canada, as well as the Canadian Labour Foundation. And it it's getting better, but the initial shock to any person is they're afraid to, to tell their story. Of course they are. They, it's... Um, it's almost like any liver disease, whereas initially, uh, well, he's a drunk. Mm-hmm. 130 liver diseases, well over 100 anyway, that we know of. And only one of them is due to alcoholism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. The smallest portion of liver diseases, right? So, so it, it's hard to... It's hard to get past that, but it is getting better to answer your question. I was at a I was at a networking thing when I was like 16 years old, and uh, and there was two guys chatting, and I walked up to them and introduced myself, and I was like, "What do you guys do?" And one guy was like, "Oh, I'm uh, the head of like the uh, Halifax Canadian Liver Foundation chapter," and the other guy was like, "I'm the head of uh, one of the local breweries," and I was like, "Wait a minute, wait, what?" This seems a little bit weird that you, you two guys are, aren't allowed to talk to each chatting, other, chatting with one another. <laughs> you should be enemies. And like, I actually just kind of like jokingly brought that up and they were like, no, no, this, <laughs> they were like, let us educate you. And then they told me all about how, um, how like alcoholism is like a, a very minimal part of, of, of what can cause uh, liver disease and in, in such a small way. And, and I was like, huh, I never knew that. And like, it's funny that like, at 16 years old, I already had that stigma uh, in my head, right? So yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. You know, we deal with uh, with a great number of families where the youngsters have had liver diseases. Very small. I know a young lady that had a liver transplant when she was. I'm going to say she was six months old. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I know her now. She's 12, and. I'm very good friends with her dad and you know, it, it, uh, it's, it's, it's a stigma that doesn't pass, but yeah, it happens. It, it happens to everybody, man. In, in terms of like, it, it sounded like when you were talking at the beginning that you, you were mentioning how difficult it was for you uh, mentally and emotionally to um, kind of navigate your diagnosis um, but it seems like you're you light up quite a bit when you talk about the support work and your role in in helping others who have been going through similar challenges. What, like in terms of your advocacy and your work um, with the Canadian Liver Foundation, uh, like how how much does that mean to you to be able to give back and support those people who might be feeling like you were before? It's um, it's golden to me, to be honest with you. It, uh, I mean, I was very sick. I made a lot of promises, you know, and it, uh, yeah, anything you can do for the person beside you, you just do it. It, It's not, uh, there's no question. It's our world. And it, uh, it's hard to come through. It, It really is any, any illnesses, but something that you've been through and you hold close to your heart. It's like you wake up every day with the gift of life. Uh, it's like winning the Super Bowl every day. And you just live it, man. And, you, and anything you can do to help that person beside you, you just do. How much has, how much has, obviously it changes the game in a big way with a drug, with a, with a drug coming out that can, I mean, I mean, that's the, that's the, I guess the dream of, of anybody who is struggling with a disease for there to be a cure. It's the, it is the goal of foundations and charities and organizations that, that influence and that advocate for um, illnesses and diseases, you know, to get a treatment, to, to get a, 
an effective treatment that halts it or cures it, puts it away for good. I mean, that is, I mean, obviously that is the goal. How mm-hmm. does, how does this, like this obviously monumental change in treatment change the way that, um, change the way that, that, you know, the organizations that you work with and the organizations that deal with, you know, uh, hepatitis C, um, how does it change how they go about advocating and, and doing what they do? It changed immediately. It shifted because we went from uh, trying to cure a disease that was hidden to trying to bring this out really hard and really fast to get it advocated, to get it eradicated. Sorry. Hmm. So it, um, it, it was how fast can we tell how many people and how can we fix that many lives in the next six months? You know, so it shifted from uh, defense to offense, I guess you could say, or offense to defense. Hmm. If that answers your question. Yeah, that's really that's that's really interesting because because you know curing it curing it doesn't really stop it doesn't stop people getting it in the first place. That's people correct. are still people are still going to get it, and there's still going to be the treatment and. To a degree that is that is you know getting better over time, there was the stigma around around getting it, around getting yep. hepatitis C, and and Absolutely. the view that the view that people might have of people who getting hepatitis C and 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 being and coming out and saying, hey, I have hepatitis C. This is what I've gone through. This is what I'm dealing with, um, and and now really trying to change how that's viewed. I mean, that plays into what we're doing on this show in general with everything. Is you know break yep. down the stigma around around talking about illness and, you know, hep C faces a, you know, a bigger battle than a bigger battle than I think, I think it's fair to say that a lot of things do. Yeah. It's, it's an ugly conversation, but it's getting prettier. I mean, for example, I golf a bit. I'll give you an example. And I golf with doctors. I golf with hockey players. I golf with a lot of people and I have absolutely no problem today telling anybody why I had it liver transplant if they ask me and I don't get those looks anymore I, I just I don't notice them either I don't get them or I don't notice them I don't know the difference mm. right I I want to I want to come back to to the like how things resolved for you because you you were saying that you know you had this doctor in Montreal who's kind of heading up this trial and and you were like sign me up I'll I'll go for it um at what point did like did that trial turn into some like ground shattering news of like so, oh my god you you're like you're on the route to being cured right now yeah. and like what the fuck was that like it, it was pretty cool actually um, my doctors and I created a very large bond and and I'm sure you guys will will understand this almost almost pushing the line of a friendship. Mm-hmm. I fought so hard and they just loved watching me fight. But the reality was they didn't know when they came to work in the morning if I was still going to be alive or not. So when this came back and he put me on it, he uh, he suspected it was the cure, but he didn't really know, right? Like, this was it. I was it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and um, within a couple weeks, he uh, we, we seen my blood numbers, like your blood test is basically a roadmap through your body, right? And we've seen the numbers coming in line. We've seen the hepatitis C dropping, and then it was gone. And he said, you know, we, we got to hold on. And I can't remember. I believe it was I had to have it gone for two months to ensure that it wouldn't come back. And one day I walked in, and all the doctors were standing there. And they just couldn't believe it. They just wanted to see me. They just wanted to see me. So it was pretty cool. It was really cool for them because they see it. Mm. He told me afterwards recently in the last couple of years, he said, you know, we see so much death and so much devastation. He said, and every time you walk in the door, he said, I just smile. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like, you know, like how – how often do we hear of a cure for a disease? Like that's a, that, that is a rare thing to happen within our lifetime. Right. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know this for sure, but like, I'm, I'm assuming that you were 
you were one of the first Canadians cured of hepatitis C. Like, you know, you were one of the few humans on the planet who were the first ones to experience what, what being cured of hep C it feels yeah. like, which is fucking, you know, as a doctor who, like you say, you know, every day they're surrounded by people, um, uh, tragically coming to, to their deaths because, because their illness caught up with them or, you know, um, or, you know, whatever, you know, just, it, it's a lot of suffer. It's a lot of pain. It's a lot of, um, even, even someone getting through a, a chemo treatment, you know, like there's just, there's a lot of like, it's a very intense process. And so to see someone like yourself coming in going like, Holy fuck guys, we just, we just tried these pills and like, I am <laughs> they now, worked. <laughs> they worked. Yeah. You know, like I mean, that's and, such a, and think of like, think of from a, think about a, a doctor who's been practicing medicine for like two or three decades. And every time somebody's walked in the door with hep C, it's like, ah, shit, like they're going to have yeah. that forever. Mm. And yeah. that's going to, you know, the, eventually they're going to need a cool. liver transplant mm. and they're going to, they're going to put like the thing. And now it, and now that story is different. Absolutely. I mean, there was always the interferon road, but the, the success of that was so low that a lot of people wouldn't even try it or they tried for a couple of weeks and they'd give it up because mm. it, it was just violent. But, you know, it's funny you ask because you ask about the doctors, but even to this day, when I go for blood work, it, you walk in there and it, it's almost like being a rock star. Like they just love seeing you. Yeah. They, they see you when you were so sick. Right. And I mean, I was bloated. Like, you know, I was in like a size 45 pants or something. <laughs> and they they see you now and it's just like you just giving them a breath of fresh air. And it's really, really cool. You know, I walk with them, I bring them Christmas cards all the time. I get hugs. I, you know, that's just me. I'm a little bit of a suck that way, right? <laughs> I but bet, I, I'm just grateful, you know? I, I bet, though, uh, I, I can only imagine it as being like, uh, um, like you're a kid in school and you, you did the best school project you've ever done in your entire life. And you're just so proud of that school project. And Absolutely. you just keep like... It's like you get to keep opening your closet door and seeing the school project that just lives on your shelf in your closet that you keep for years. And every time you see it, you just, you're just reminded of how proud you are that you were able to like solve Absolutely. that problem. And like the doctors just probably feel like giddy about the fact that it's like, yes, there he is. There's yeah, Steve, yeah. the guy that we fucking cured from hepatitis yeah. C. And since that day have been able to cure so many other people using similar cool, treatments, right? right? Yeah. yeah, it's the goal of the work, really. I mean, it's what mm. healthcare professionals across the spectrum. It's like you know, that's what they that's that's, the, that's what they want to see every day in a perfect world. Obviously, that's not the case for everybody, and you know, it's a lot of heaviness and a lot of a lot of tough stuff that they that they deal with and work with. But I mean, that is the that yeah. is the north star for healthcare workers. That's their dream. Uh, I don't know. I personally haven't ran into a healthcare worker, frontline worker, anything to do with that line of work at all that didn't want to be there. It's mm. in them. It's born in them. It's bred in them. And they're there to help people. That's that's their goal in life. So it brings happiness to them, right? Like they, they live with a great deal of devastation. I don't know how they sleep at night, to be honest with you. But it's uh, uh, Steve, I'm I'm wondering, you know, there's there's a question that we ask um uh most of our guests and and uh it, it'll be it'll be really well actually, you know what, be, before we get to that, before we get to that, I, I'm actually kind of curious. Um so you're, you're, you're technically cured of hep C, mm -hmm. but obviously that, that disease took a toll on your body over the years. That's correct. Um, and we're, we're now living in a very bizarre time where like people like myself who are immunocompromised, like have to be very careful on our day to day. Like when we go out into the world and, uh, cause you know, so I was going to, I was going to say, how has, how has hep C affected you in that way and and are you are you technically immunocompromised even though you've been cured of of your your virus i'm immunocompromised i'm su immune suppressed due to right. my liver transplants 
um, because the, uh, the anti-rejection drugs that we have to take suppresses your immune system. I've been working very hard over the last five years, six years to build up my immune, but still I'll catch a cold if someone's in the room. Um, they, I'll catch it for sure. I'm sure you mm. will as well, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you try and build up your immune system a bit. Like I don't mind catching the odd cold. I'll, I'll pick up a kid. I'll hug them if they got a little bit of a runny nose. It, it's, I keep my hands clean at all times. Um, you know, it, you can't let it rule your life. You mm-hmm. still have to wake up. You still have to smile, live that day. Like it's going to be your last and just kind of, you know, have fun. My hepatitis C is cured in my body. I still have my challenges. Uh, Jeremy, I think that's what you might be looking for. Mm. I, because of the brain fog and the severe uh, hepatotic encephalopathy that I, I did come through, I still have memory problems. I still have fatigue problems. So as long as I babysit that a bit, I'm good. I won't get sick. If I push my fatigue too hard, it, my immune will drop and I'll get ill. I'll end mm. up with a cold in the last months. But, it, you know, for the most part, I'm, I'm good with it all. You just got to kind of get it done. Sick Boy Podcast will be right back after this very short break. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl, yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Hey, listeners. If you like this show, you should check out Unlocking Bryson's Brain from CBC Podcasts. 13-year-old Bryson is a happy, loving boy, but a mysterious disease means he can't walk, talk, or feed himself. After years without a diagnosis, genetic scientists believe they know what's causing Bryson's illness and think it could be reversed. Join Bryson's family on their search for a medical miracle in Unlocking Bryson's Brain. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. What would you say is the biggest thing that, that hepatitis C has taken away from you? You know, my wife and I have had this conversation. I'm going to give you a two-part answer, minimum two parts. We lost our business. We lost our home. Actually, we lost two homes. We, we didn't lose them. Sorry, we sold them. We sold our homes. We paid. We knew we had a fight to get through. We were able to pay off all our debts. Da, 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 everything was good. Um, so materialistically, yeah, we lost some stuff along the way. But the biggest thing I'd like to is the gains. Well, that's my that's my second question, which is what what's the biggest thing that it's given you? Uh, I'm humble beyond belief. I believe I go through every day just trying to be a gentleman, uh, not out of place, gentleman type of thing, not creepy or nothing, but, <laughs> just, you know, just try and be humble. Uh, my relationship with my kids went from, you know, doing a hundred miles in a day with my cell phone attached to my ear, working, working, working to, yeah, now I wait for my daughter's call every day. Cause I know she's calling sooner or later, you know, uh, my wife and I, I mean, <clears throat> we live simple, very simple, but we have fun. We have great things in life. You know, we have each other, we have life. We're able to travel a little bit. We're able to, you know, have some fun. So it's not all focused around work and mm. the grind. Yeah. Know? That's mm. our gains. We've got some pretty serious gains. Plus, I've got some, I've met some pretty unique people in the last six years. Mm. Uh, you know, I got to talk at a parliamentary breakfast uh, with the health cool. minister and yeah. And, and all the, 
the heads of the pharmaceuticals and it was really cool. Like it was really, really, they wanted to hear what I had to say. You know, I wasn't just sitting mm. in the back corner of the room. They were, I was sitting actually at the head of the room. <laughs> uh, you know, I've gotten to speak at city hall a few times with all the, with all the pharmaceuticals and, and the mayor and stuff on hepatitis C. So I, I've done some pretty, uh, pretty really cool stuff and i've met some really humble people that's awesome. awesome um uh i you know it we 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 asked that guest we asked that question to all of our guests and and the answer uh the answer is almost always seems to be something that's really uplifting so it's i'm, I'm glad to hear all that all that great stuff but it's but, the games yeah yeah well, totally it's not yeah. Life is up and down, man. You're going to lose stuff along the way. Mm-hmm. But as long as you can wake up every day and, and enjoy what's in front of you, smile, mm-hmm. you know, give the wife um, a squeeze. Yeah. Yeah. Move on, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we wrap it up, I have, I have one last question. Um, you, uh, the tattoo that you, that in question that potentially maybe gave you your hep C, uh, do you still have it? Yep. I can't what? get to it though. It, and what is it? <laughs> what, what did you end up getting? It's a wizard. Oh yeah. Do you look back at that? Do you look back at that tattoo like fondly? Or are you like, oh, you fucking son of a bitch? You, you're the you're the reason I got it. Pepsi. Do you know what? I asked my doctor a couple years ago if I could get it covered up. <laughs> I got. It. Yeah, it's funny because my doctor. You got a picture of this guy in Montreal. I, I, I call him the mad scientist. So he looks at you under his glasses, but the brain power behind this man, I used to keep notes every day when I was in the hospital mm. to tell him how I was feeling. Cause I couldn't remember. <laughs> I'd, keep my, <laughs> I'd keep my notes. He would be, he would talk to me in English, listen to his nurse in French and do grammar corrections on my notes in English <laughs> all the same time. <laughs> so yeah, when I asked him if I wanted if I could get my tattoo covered up, he just kind of—he didn't even answer me. He just kind of—he's <laughs> like, "Are you, you fucking kidding me?" Yeah, right. Uh, Steve, this has been uh, this has been real fun to chat with you, man. Um, thank you for thank you for uh, you know uh, spreading a little bit more awareness uh, about Hep C uh, during Hep C Awareness Month, and um, and thank you for all the work that you do. You know, there's, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure you, you mean a lot to a lot of people. So, uh, we want to say thank you for taking the time out of your day. I know it was a, it was a technological shit show to get this all put together, but, uh, we figured it out. Yeah, you know what? And, uh, fun, though, right. I mean, that's I, right. I'm a bit, as you can see, I'm a bit older. I, I'm good though. I mean, if you show me how to do something generally, I'll get it done. And, and it, guys, it's not a problem at all. Um, I'd like to really, when you guys put this together, we would on the behalf of the Canadian Liver Foundation send a big shout out to the frontline workers. Huge. Mm-hmm. I know you guys are probably doing it every day, but it's uh, it's really trying times for them right now. Mm-hmm. You know, a great deal of uh, doctors and nurses that have come in from the, the liver field, from the liver clinics and stuff to work out on the front lines and it uh, it's golden, right? Mm-hmm. and uh yeah and basically you know our uh living with liver disease programs will cover hepatitis c any old time yeah cool. well thanks again man this has been right. uh this has been a treat cheers guys yeah and uh and thank you all so much for tuning in we hope you enjoyed it uh we will be back next week as we always are with another wonderful conversation uh in the meantime if you want to support the podcast you can do you can do a couple things uh, follow us on Spotify. Definitely do that. That'd be cool. Uh, and if you're using Apple Podcasts, why don't you go over there and leave a rating and a review? That would be great as well. Uh, might as well hit the subscribe button while you're there. Might as well. And uh, if you if you want to support us in other ways, uh, there's there's uh, there's a big one. You can you can support us at Patreon. Patreon.com <laughs> slash sickboy. Patreon Patreon is popping off. We're doing lots of cool stuff with Patreon. We did an an, an amazing um, live show experience for our patrons last week. It was our first time doing um, uh, our our quarantine era live show via um, 
via the interwebs, and it was so much fun, and uh, and and we we want to do it again, and we want to have all of our patrons a part of that, and uh, that's Patreon.com/sickboy. If you want to contribute to our Patreon, we love each and every one of you. We do so much uh, to try and build that community and 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 keep it cool and keep it keep it popping off. So thank you so much. Yeah, for everybody keep it cool and popping off. That's it, right, Taylor. Keep it cool. cool. Keep it slick. Uh, keep it neat and keep it fun. Patreon.com slash sick boy. Um, I'm going to say one last thing too, but Hey Steve, did you want to jump in and say one more thing before we, was there something that you also wanted to say? Uh, no, I'm good. Oh, we're okay. up at Tigers day on, uh, July 28th. You guys in or what? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. What, what do we have to, what do we have to do? Contract hep, hep C and then, <laughs> and then, uh, get it cured on that day. You need to, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just prove it works. Prove it works. It works. We do several uh, several things across the country, around the world, actually. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Well, we'll, well uh, for, any, for anyone who's interested, we will put some links in the description on the episode here. Uh, so take a look there and there will be all the links that you need for uh, for that. And uh, thanks, as always, to Donovan the CPAP Morgan for the amazing sound design. Hey, Donovan, thanks for today making it sound like um, there's no traffic in the background of my microphone because I know there's been a bunch of cars driving by today and there's lots of background noise coming from my side. So if, uh, Donovan, you can make it sound silent for a minute. And then and then make it sound like we're all getting uh, tattoos. Oh, yeah. All right. Wow. Oh, ow, ow, ow. ow. Ooh, it stings. Don't tell tell Steve's doctor. All right, uh, and uh, thanks for taking part for the theme music. It's really great. (laughs) So enthusiastic about that, Brian. I love how you threw that away. Uh, That is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.